Welcome to this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Yes. Well, happy Sunday, y'all. Yes. Today we're going to go into this word, and I was wondering what all the Lord might share with me through it. How many know sometimes we go through something and you start looking for an answer? Sometimes we'll pray and ask the Lord, sometimes we'll go into the scripture and look for an answer and he gives it and then we're sort of still like huh and uh that was sort of the way it it began with the the message i'm going to bring to you i preached a message from this text and i thought that when i preached it some months ago that perhaps i had exhausted what there was to see and then the lord brought it to my attention again and so this message that I'll bring to you today is of a familiar text that we looked at some time back, but we're going to go in another direction with it today because I think it is important. Sometimes when I'll preach to you, I'll preach to you uh, as a, well, I, I believe it this way, that when, when anyone preaches, what we preach should just be an overflow of what he's showing us. So whatever God is showing me for my life really should just be an overflow of what I share with you. Uh, I, I don't preach a message to you that would fit you and not fit for my life. Does that make sense to you? And so uh, when I was seeking the Lord for some direction and answers and some clarity this week, he started giving me this text out of Ezekiel. And I even had asked some of the ladies in the office, I said, can anybody remember when I preached out of Ezekiel 16. Do you remember the name of the message? And then we went looking for the message. And you know, I still was not able to find that message. It wasn't in a binder. It wasn't saved to any of the places that I usually save my, it's as if it is gone. The only thing that I had left were notes that I write in my Bible. And I, so I knew that I had preached it and I remember what I had preached. And it was sort of along the lines, uh, Lord, do not pass me by. Jesus, do not pass me by. And so, yeah, see, some of y'all remember it. And so when the Lord started speaking to me, I said, Lord, are you trying to bring back something that I had already preached? And then I just kept seeking the Lord and waiting and waiting. And I thought, Lord, if you want me to preach out of this, then you've got to drop the, the mother bomb. You've got to let me see what it is I need to see. And usually that means you have to look a little bit deeper. And so I started looking a little bit deeper. And so we might go deep today. Is that all right? We, we might go somewhere, and I'm going to help you relate to some things. How, let, let, me, let me tease you with this. How many of you have ever prayed for some kind of a change or sought some kind of an answer, and yet you can remove some people from your life, but you cannot get rid of the memory? 
You, you, you can't always be rid of the trauma. How many have ever gone through something and then you lay your head down at night and you keep seeing it over and over again? It, it could be something traumatic like a rape or a suicide. It could be, it could be any number of things that we go through and, and we see uh, every time we try to get rest or get peace, we keep seeing it again. And that's what God began to speak to me out of this text as we look in Ezekiel chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Ezekiel chapter 16. I, I love the book of Ezekiel. Uh, uh, I love it. Ezekiel chapter 16. We're already going to look at verses 2 through 6. So for those of you that take notes or are with me today, Ezekiel 16, 2 through 6. Oh, Lord. And if I was to title today's message, I, I'm simply going to title it Sitting in your own blood. That might sound a little odd to you, but it will make sense. Sitting in your own blood. Mm, my, my. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Watch this. Verse 2 of Ezekiel 16. Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut. Nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of the things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out into an open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. Verse 6. And when I passed by you, and saw you struggling in your own blood. I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. What did he say to them in their blood? What did he say? Some of you are getting it. He said live. Yes, he said, when I passed by you, struggling in your own blood. Your translation might say sitting in your own blood. I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your state that I found you, live. I said to you in the mess you were in, live. I want to spend a little time, and before I take liberties with the text, I have to give you the 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 context of the text that we're reading. I think that's only appropriate. So I, have to, I want to like take a few moments to explain the text of what it is really saying to help you and I get the fullness of it. Because a lot of times we'll come to church and we'll, we can shout amen and we can say hallelujah, we can say, yeah, that was a good message. But if, if we don't give you all the context of it, I'm afraid that you might not get everything there is to get out of it. So I want to take some time to make sure that we do that this morning. Most of us have lived through some things that um, maybe we thought at the time of going through them, we thought we never would get through them. 
Some of us have been through national events. Some of us have been through wars. Some of us have been through personal struggles. Some of us have uh, survived 9-11, or some of us have survived the Vietnam War. Some of us have survived outbreaks beyond COVID, right? Some of us wondered if we would even survive COVID. How many of you remember the fear that struck our nation when all of that began? And many of us thought, if I, if I catch it, will I ever get through it? That's true, right? Are you with me? We've lived through things like that. Some of us have survived cancer. People in this room, you've survived cancer, but when you were in the thick of it, you thought, will I ever get through it, right? Uh, all kinds of diagnosis. There are people that watch online that have different diagnosis and are living through things, and sometimes we wonder, will we ever get through it? But we we survived and we surpassed some kind of or any kind of trauma in our life. There have been, there have been all kinds of traumas that each of us, everybody in this place have been through and at times just wondered, will I ever get through? Some of us may have been through traumas like me where you've been going through something and you'll, you'll drive by somewhere or you'll drive by the Yawk Lake and you just think, Lord, so I don't have to wait and find out how this turns out. I'll just end it right here and I'll drive into the lake. Or sometimes we might have thought, uh, it's, I don't really want to wait and see how what I'm going through turns out. I'll, I'll take the bottle of pills and end it so I don't have to find out how it might turn out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the trauma was too great. The, it, it made us too nervous. It ca- created too much anxiety. There have been uh, Every one of us in this room have faced troubles and trauma of all kinds, and people will often many times have asked me why. Sometimes I've asked myself why. Sometimes I've prayed to God and asked him, Lord, why? Anybody ever do that? Say, Lord, why? We're trying to figure out the the sequence of events and why we're going through things. And then over the course of time and life, I've sort of become a little bit more wise than to try to always have an answer for someone's question of why. It takes wisdom to to know that sometimes you can't give an answer. Sometimes you you don't know enough to even begin to give an answer. And instead, I've learned that sometimes when people ask me why, instead of me trying to come up with some spiritualized, real intelligent answer to give them them peace or solace of some kind, sometimes I just have to remind them that, you know what, it's okay sometimes to just survive it. Sometimes there are some things, I hope you're, you're staying with me, don't fall asleep quite yet, uh, uh, all right? Uh, there are some things that you and I will go through that, that it's not important to figure out the why in that moment. It could take eternity to figure out the why. Sometimes it's important just to remind ourselves, I just need to survive this. I'll need to survive it any way that I can. If I have to scream my way through it, I'll scream. If I have to cry my way through it, I'll cry. If I have to yell my way through it, I'll yell. But the most important thing sometimes, while you and I are trying to distract ourselves with why, we need to just understand, I need to just figure out how to survive it. How can I get just enough peace to get sleep at night? How can I be able to endure the pain that I'm experiencing enough just to be able to exist and get through it? So whatever I have to do, I have to survive it. Some of us are sitting here today, and really your your theme could be you could wear a T-shirt. You could be the, 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 the mascot for I survived. 
right? Because everybody has a story, right? Diane's with me, amen. Everybody has a story. We've all been through something, and yet we, we all can say, I survived it. I probably shouldn't have. I don't know exactly how I did, but I survived. I survived somebody else's craziness. Amen. We, that we survived abuse, or we survived neglect, or we survived rape, or we survived some kind of catastrophic thing that we went through that other people's jaws hang down when they hear what you and I have been through. But say, I survived. Okay, I'm keeping you with me. Hallelujah. So everybody in this place has a story to tell about the hard places in life that you've been through. I said, some of you have had cancer. Some of you have to live with dialysis. Some of you have, to, have had bypass surgeries. Some of us have had surgeries of all kinds, and yet we survived it. Some of us have gone through uh, uh, abuse and things we wondered if we would ever get out of, but you, you did, and you survived it. And yet the text that we read this morning, uh, if we would take the time to really break it down, I'm going to give you the context of it, but if we would take the time to really break it down, it's probably one of the most R-rated scriptures there are. We, as you begin to understand this this morning, it is one of the most graphic portions of text that there are. And I'll do my best to try to show it to you and explain it to you in the time we have today. It's a, it's, it's a shocking text. It's a shocking image that we begin to break down. This text is not a, a, a picture like we see. This text is referring uh, to the, the people uh, 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 that are in Jerusalem as a, as, a, as, a, as a baby that has been thrown out and discarded in the field. This is not a picture like we see of a baby, the, Ger the Gerber baby, right? All, all the cute babies. How I many know there are some ugly babies? Amen. Yeah. I mean, some people just got ugly babies, right? Yes. In fact, I, I'll go so far as to say, I think every baby is ugly when they're first born. I mean, they're just like, no, 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 ladies. I see you ladies are going to attack me now. Because when they come out, they, they look like what they came from. Come on. And, and so I'm going to use that. But, but I, I believe this, it takes some time, a couple of hours sometimes for their cuteness to start showing up because there's evidence of the trauma that they've been through, let alone they're just some ugly people, hallelujah, right? Ugly babies. And so some of you are liars and you'll tell anybody their baby's cute. See, I can't do that. If I don't tell you your baby's cute, it's because I don't think that the baby is cute, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, see, see, there you are. Go. Not all babies are cute. No, no. Some of them look like they came from another planet. Some of them look strange and odd. Amen. Right? Hey, Cindy's telling the truth with me. Hallelujah. Oh, uh, anyway. This is not, this text is not their Gerber baby. This text is not your baby or a picture of our grandchild, the, the ones that we love the most. No, it, it's not that at all. It's a very graphic text. It's, a, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not a cute photographic baby by any means. In fact, the text says this is a nativity that nobody really talks about. It uses that word nativity even. It, it's a, it, this, this text is a nativity about depletion rejection and turmoil. Now, it uses the word nativity. Let me explain it to you because when we think of nativity, we think of the nativity scene of Jesus, right? 
right? And, and yet what nativity really means is nativity simply just means the circumstances around being born. So the text is literally explaining the circumstances around a young baby being born and, and the trauma that that baby is experiencing. God is speaking, in, in essence, through Ezekiel as a rebuke to his people. And he's speaking to them about the depletion, about the rejection, about the abomination and how upset he is with them and the turmoil they are experiencing. Amen. So it's about the circumstances around which being born, all right? Sometimes, how many have recognized that sometimes God births the greatest things in the worst places? It is through the worst of things that some of the greatest things come from. Are you with me? God, God will do that. God has the ability to take something that looks bad and, and, and appears to be bad and, and turn it around for good. Amen? Uh, that, that's just the God that we serve. And, and yet when we look at the text, we, we're not weeping. It's, it's talking about a nativity, but we're not weeping because there's no gold, frankincense, and myrrh like there was for Jesus. We're not weeping because the baby isn't dressed in some kind of cute clothes. That's, that's not what the, 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 the text isn't even talking about that. It's not referencing that, that at all. But the text, if we read it and, and as we understand it this morning, in the text there's a weeping that there is because there's a weeping because there is no love. We spent several weeks talking about love and a battered and bruised love, right, some weeks ago. And yet in this text, this text should grieve you and I because it is, it is God bringing forth a word through Ezekiel saying that, 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 that recognizing to his people that they've lost their identity. He's recognizing that they've been, they've been discarded and cast out. They're, they're not even recognizable anymore. And what is the grieving part of this text is that there's a lack of love. And how do I know that? Because he describes them as a people, as a, the people as a baby that has not yet been cut from its umbilical cord. Amen. It's still attached and yet it is just thrown in the field and discarded. There is no love for something like that. If you can just throw it away, then there's no love for it. Can you say amen? amen. So it stands in sharp contrast to what we're used to seeing when we talk about a nativity. It's a, the text is really a picture of God expressing his judgment the abomination of Jerusalem. I, I said I'll give you the context and then we'll take some liberties with it and show you what I believe God wanted me to share with you today. Ezekiel's pronouncing to the people judgment on Jerusalem because they finally come to the promised land and yet they forget their identity. They start looking like and acting like and behaving more like the people they have conquered. Now the people they have conquered have sort of conquered them in the way in which they're handling themselves. Think about it. These are the people who wandered in the wilderness and they came to Jerusalem. They, they've conquered, they conquered the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites and everyone else. And yet here they have been affected by the very people they have conquered. All right, they, 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 they have assimilated in their environment to the loss of their own identity. It's kind of a, a picture of the church uh, even today that when you're always adapting to the culture, you little by little start eroding your own identity. It, it, it's, it's a picture of really the church today that the, the, the church, I believe, doesn't look anything like what God intends the church to look like, that, that we sort of are adapting to our culture more than us affecting the culture that is around us. Are you hearing us this morning? Hallelujah. 
we kind of have a desperate need to fit in sometimes. Yeah, we do. We have a desperate need to fit in. We're, we're some, there's very few people that are okay being and living and dressing and doing their hair how they really want to. Instead, we'll adapt it to the culture that we are in. Yeah, I went shopping the other day and I was trying to just find pants and I thought I refuse to wear what you all think men are supposed to wear now. Those jeans were so tight. I mean, I, I thought... Lord, I'm not that big, and I've got to take deep breaths to get in these things. I mean, they showed every crack and crevice in my leg, and I have toothpicks as it is. And I thought, Lord Jesus, are you hearing me? I refused. I left, and I didn't buy nothing because I said, I'm not going to wear what you all think men should wear. I'm not going to dress like that. Can you say amen? Amen. If I want to dress like a woman, I'll buy women's clothes. But I don't want to dress like a woman. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So don't be offended if you choose to do that. It's just my thing. I, I, I don't have any interest. Are you hearing that? And yet uh, our culture sort of pushes things on us to get us to adapt to how they think we should be and, and outfits that they think we should wear. And yet oftentimes there's very few times you can go somewhere that there's something I absolutely love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where we can go shopping or we can go into a store. I, it's a rare thing that I'll go and I see something I'm absolutely in love with that I have to have it. Instead, they're telling me what I should have. You pull up your phone, and what does your phone do? It tells you what you should have. You you had a thought about something, and then it shows up in a Facebook ad. You you didn't say anything. You just thought about it, and it showed up in 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 a Google ad trying to sell it to you. And yet it's not something you're even in love with. You just had a thought, oh, maybe I should get that, right? I had that thought about some patio furniture the other day, and there it was. Showing up in my Facebook feed, all these ads from Lowe's and Big Lots trying to tell me. And I didn't even like any of it. I need some, but I didn't even like any of it. It's all floral and this and that and, you know, funny looking colors. And and then to boot, it's like $1,900. You are out of your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Telling me I need that. Telling us about the culture we need, that in order to be a certain kind of people and to be fit in, we need to drive a certain kind of car. Come on, if we love our country and we love our environment, why aren't y'all driving Teslas, right? I mean, that's the thing we should be doing, they tell us, right? Oh, see, y'all getting quiet. See, he's going to get political. Well, I'm not afraid. I ain't afraid. I'm just telling you, our culture, they keep trying to tell us what we should do. And if we believe what we say we do and all these things, they try to sell us things that we don't even need and that we can't afford and all of these things. And before you know it, we start looking like the culture around us instead of the culture around us looking like who we are and who we claim to be. Hallelujah. Stay with me now. See, people tend to, people will, will always have an opinion. Sometimes I, I joke around with Lois about her shoes and her wild shoes and things like that. But the truth of the matter is it really doesn't matter what my opinion is about her shoes. It, it really doesn't matter. I, I pick on her about it, but I, I could care less, right? If she wants to wear red shoes and a red shirt and red pants, whatever, you know. If, if it floats your boat and it makes you giggle inside, then have at it, right? If you want to dye your hair purple, you can dye your hair purple. If that makes you feel froggy, then you do it, right? But see, sometimes people will give their opinion and they want it to affect you. They'll say, well, why are you wearing shoes that look like that? Or why do you wear something like that? See, I wear what I wear not for your benefit. I wear what I wear for me. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? It, it, it's about me. You, you, you paint your nails and do funny things with them, Cindy, and do all because it, it's on you. I, my opinion really doesn't matter. So I'm not concerned about trolls on Facebook and what they like, whether they like my suit or whether I'm in jeans. It really doesn't matter. I dress for me. I don't dress for you. Some of us need to stop allowing ourselves to be consumed with people who think they're somebody and their opinions don't really matter about anything. All right. You need to realize it's about you. And so whatever makes you happy and makes you enjoy life, then by all means, do it. All right. Don't let other people's opinion, people's opinions to me is not going to change me. In fact, usually people's opinions just embolden me to do more of what I want. Hallelujah. It really does. It, it'll make me anchor down. Hallelujah. Mm. I know I'm showing that side of myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, God, because God called each of us to be you, not me. That's why you need to just be you. Don't try to be me. Be, be you. Now, let me get back to the text. The abomination of the text is Jerusalem has taken the land, but they've lost themselves. They've captured and take possession of the land, but they've lost their identity. They've lost who they are. They started acting like the people they conquered. They started behaving like them in the manner of which they were. It's sort of like how many have ever known somebody that got a job and the job changed them. They thought because they got a promotion, now they're somebody. And so now they don't talk to you or now they make a little bit more money than you. And now they just pretend like, you know, you don't even exist. And yet it'll be real funny because one the same fastness that they got that job they could lose that job amen and they'll be reminded of where they came from that's why you and I need to be careful not to burn bridges because one day you might need that bridge again oh hallelujah because see we'll allow things like that to change us we'll move into a different house and let that house change us we'll move across town to the good side of town and let that change us hallelujah you 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 you, you get in a new relationship and because now now you you got somebody you let that change you I, I Y'all must not know what I'm talking about. I must only experience those kinds of people. But I know people who they let things change them. The people of Jerusalem allowed themselves to be snatched away culturally from who they were. They were unrecognizable. And so when the Bible talks about, watch this, when the Bible talks about they were cast out into an open field, it's, it's reminding them of their association with the people that they are dealing with. All right. Now, now, what do I mean by that? Because the people that they are dealing with, the people that they've lost their identity to are people who had the custom of that, that when, they were, when they had babies that were deformed and that were different and they couldn't afford it or they were just different of any kind, their custom of the, of the people that they have, they have conquered, their custom was to, to leave that baby, take that baby into the wilderness and leave it to be devoured by animals. Remember I told you God said, look a little deeper. Cynthia, so this is what I'm, where I'm going, all right? I had those ladies looking all over for the notes I had from this text and we never did find it. So I went a little deeper. 
And when you go a little bit deeper, what he means is in the text, when he passed by and saw a, a, a baby kicking in its own blood, it was the custom of the very people and groups of the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Canaanites that it was part of their custom that when they birthed a baby that was deformed in some way that wasn't what we would classify normal, or they, it was birthed in a time they could not afford it, they'd just take the baby into the wilderness, abandon it, leave it for neglect, and let the animals have at it. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? And so he, he's speaking to them because in this manner because he recognizes they've lost their identity. He's saying, you've become like the people you have conquered. You, you have the same mindsets and mannerisms and behavior that the very people I sent you to conquer and overtake. And now it, it's, as if, it, it's as if you are these people who take a baby into the wilderness, abandon it there in the wilderness, discard it and ignore it and don't love it and leave it for animals to, to just devour it. He says, so, so when he says, you were cast into a field to the loathing of your person, he says, you are cast into to the field to the loathing of your person. He's telling them, the people you're impressed with, the very people that you're impressed with, the very people that you're, 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 you're following after and you're ha- taking traditions after. Remove their babies and take them out into the wilderness to be devoured by animals simply because they're different. So it's that loss of identity. God's saying to them, because you've started acting like these people, because you've started reciprocating the very things that they used to do and not being who you are, he's angry with them. And he he says uh, uh, it's an abomination to him. The text calls this an abomination. And so he's angry with them. He's upset with them. That's why I said earlier, I believe God is upset with the church because we are so bent on being like and acting like and looking like and walking like and performing like, and yet the Bible says that you and I are to be the head and not the tail. We're not to be following after anybody else, but yet we are so bent. We've made our churches look like the world and we make ourselves dress like the world even in the church. Are you with me? And, and so we changed everything that we're, we just want to be comfortable and then we'll use the excuse, it's just who I am. And, and we want to be relatable and we want to be all these things and we might want to make a comfortable environment for just anybody to come in and worship. And yet God has not called us to take on the culture of our world. God has called us to set the culture. That's why he said you and I are the head and not the tail above and not belief. Amen. We cannot let hip hop define who we are. You can dance to it if you want, whatever it is. You can listen to it if you want, but don't let it define you. And the church has let all kinds of things define who we are. All right. So, so, so God is upset with these people. Are you still with me? God has, is upset with them because he finds himself asking the same question that he asked Adam back in Genesis, which was, Adam, where are you? It's the very question in this text as we read it. It's really God saying to Adam, where are you? He's saying to these people, I don't recognize you anymore. You're behaving in a manner that doesn't look like you. Where are you? What have you come to? How have you forgotten who you are? Let me put it another way. Have you been through so much pain and have you been through so much in your life that you have turned your nice into nasty? 
Did you hear what I said? Don't y'all know some people that you, you know they've been through some stuff, but they've allowed what they've been through to turn nice into nasty. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Nice into nasty. Where we'll allow what we go through to start changing us. A lot of us in this room, if we would choose to be honest, we, 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 we would be able to admit that there are some things that we have been through that we know it's changed us. You, you can only be betrayed so many times before you start being a little bit more cautious with the people that you associate with and how closely you let them into your life, right? You can only let someone who's a liar lie to you one time, two times, maybe three. Lie to me after that and I'll never believe another thing you say. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It will change you. It will sort of cause you to look at everybody sort of sideways, Amen. See, I know we're not used to being so real in church. Don't sit there and pretend like you believe everything everybody tells you. There's some people I walk around and say, you're a liar, lying dog. You exaggerate more. I mean, you, you, you talk like fishing stories. You call one this big, right, David? Hallelujah. And so we'll go through things or we'll go through trauma or some of us have, have an ex that it, it, it was traumatic and yet you, you like to believe it didn't affect you, but it does. People will say, why do you act the way that you do? And, and we'll explain why. It's because it has affected you. What they did to you, how they hurt you, it affected you. Hallelujah. It affects you and I. Hallelujah. And so if we're not careful, it'll cause our nice to turn to nasty. Our nice to turn to nasty. So God is saying in the text, where are you with your loving heart? Where are you, in essence, with your praying heart? Where are you with your giving heart? Where, where are you that you've allowed yourself to be changed so much? Now, I, I said earlier that this text is, is a graphic text. And if we could take all the time that, that there is, there, there would be needed to really go into the depths of the text. It is. It's very, very graphic. But, but we need to take a moment to make sure we deal with it in, 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 in some way before we can move on. When, 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 that's why I said earlier that, that, that not, I, I do not necessarily believe that all babies are always cute when they are born, right? Sometimes they look a little bit funny, right? It takes time for them to start stepping into their cuteness, right? And yet when we understand birth, they, don't, they can't always look cute because birth is traumatic, not just, for the, not just for the mother, but also for the baby, right? The mother goes through a lot and the baby goes through a lot just coming into this world because birth is hard work, ladies. Ladies, amen. It's it's hard work for the mother and for the baby. And that's why when even after the baby is born, the baby usually sleeps because it was hard work. He he went he or she went through a lot being born and being brought into this world. This baby that we're talking about in the text, this Jerusalem that we're talking about, this baby, this young country, was hated by everyone around it. Even today they're hated by everyone around it. Nothing's really changed much. Still small, still smaller than everyone else around it, but yet they are still hated. And the text says, let me, let me try to move, move through this. The text does not deal with, with the, 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 the baby. It's not referring to it and dealing with the fact that it is abused. The, the, the text is talking about it in, in the essence of it being neglected. 
God is speaking to his people saying, you, you, you're being neglected. He says in the text that we read, he says there in, uh, in Ezekiel 16, nobody salted you. Let me remind you, if you missed that message I preached a few months ago, when, when it talks about nobody salted you, that, that the custom of the time was, was to be salted to heal the bruising and the trauma of being born, to heal the skin from, from the trauma of all that it has just been through. It's how they brought the, and recovered the skin. It's how they didn't look like where they came from. Some of us have survived, but you still have where you came from on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said some of us have survived some things, but you and I still have on us where we came from and what we came through. And that is what God wants to speak to you and I today about. You and I made it out, but it is still on you. You and I made it out, but it's still on us. In other words, you and I came through some stuff, but it is affecting who I am today. Amen. I recognized something this week when I went through something. I recognized that about myself. Adam, you came through it. You're no longer living in it, but it is still affecting you. Some of you cannot, some of you maybe aren't living in the same scenario or the same situation that you were. And we can think, oh, I got free from it. I can move out. I can change addresses. But there are some things you and I have gone through that we, while we may not be living in it, what we lived in is still on us. Because it still messes with who we are. It still will cause you to shed a tear. It will still cause you to live in fear. It will still cause you to be haunted by the memory. Oh, we're getting ready to go somewhere. Are you still with me? Mm. You made it out, but it's still on you. God said in the text, he said, no, I pitied you and no hand salted you. And the reason it says that no, I pitied you and no hand salted you is because it is not God's will for you to look like what you've been through. Did you hear what I said? The, the reason we clean off a baby when they are born is because it's not God's intent. We don't want that baby to look like where it came from. What God wants to speak to you and I today is, yes, you and I have been through some things. Everybody has had some kind of trauma, but God does not want you to look like what you have been through. Hallelujah. He does not want it, that to be a part of, of the way in which you are living now. Yes, it may be a memory, but it should not be part of the makeup of who you are even now. Hallelujah. Th think about it this way. The, the placenta and the baby are both born, and, and, and yet the afterbirth, the way that he describes it in the text in Ezekiel, the afterbirth is still all over the child. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Maybe you are still carrying the afterbirth of what you've been through. Are, is, am I starting to give you a visual picture, a, a picture of what I'm talking about? There, everything you and I have gone through, in, under the sound of my voice, in this room and online, there are people who have been abused. There are people who have been raped. 
There have been people who have been verbally abused, sexually abused, physically abused. There are, there are people who have been through divorce. There have been people that have been cheated on. There have been people in this room that have gone through some things some of you could not wrap your mind around. There are people that are online that, that, that have gone through events that, that would change us, and it has changed us. Many of us have gone through trauma like that, and yet God, what God is saying to you and I, are you allowing what you have come through? Are you allowing the after? birth of what you've been through to remain on you are you looking like where you came from or, or am I making sense to you yet see in other words you survived and you are alive but is what you went through still clinging on you oh hallelujah I said is what you went through still clinging on you See, see, we can come to church and it, it's good. We, we'll dance sometimes and we'll shout and we'll say amen and you'll get revving with me and you'll say, come on, preacher, preach. And, and we can do all those things. But, but, but what we really need to make sure we're doing when we come to church is, is being cleansed, as the Bible says, by the washing of the water of the word. The, the, the Bible says that very clearly, that you and I need to be washed with the wa washing of the water of the Word. In other words, God wants to get off of you what is on us from all that we have been through. And the only way that we are ever really washed and cleansed is with the washing of the water of the Word. How do you get rid of haunted memories being washed by the water of the Word? How do you let what you've been through not affect you and traumatize you to where you don't have to live in fear by the washing of the water of the word. That's why when the baby was born and in Ezekiel 16 in our text, it said that, that, that they were that they were born like, like a baby, right? And they were discarded and thrown out into the wilderness in a manner of neglect and nobody washed them. Nobody wiped them. Nobody assaulted them. No, nobody, nobody took the time to, to remove what they had been through off of them. And you know what I begin to realize is that many times, and what I believe we do in the church, is we're trying to coexist with everything that we have gone through, allowing what we've gone through to be a part of us instead of allowing ourselves to be washed with the washing of the water of the Word to get off of me and out of me all that I've been through. God may not have attended what happened to you to happen to you, but yet we sort of get comfortable and we just keep living with what we've been through and allow it to be a part of us. And what God is trying to say to the church, what you've been through, it might have helped to change you and to shape you, but I don't want it to be a part of who you are. There is a difference. Hallelujah. I hope you're, you're, I'm making some sense to you as we get down into this today. Hallelujah. You've got to get some things off of you. In other words, God's saying, I need you to be cleansed from old habits. I need you to be cleansed from old addictions. I want you to be cleansed from old things and, 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 and be cleansed from the incessant need to be accepted. Hallelujah. See, what this message is, is this message is to remind you and I that we all need to be salted, that we all need to be washed, that we all need to be cleansed. And that we've given way too much importance to things that are not important and not enough attention to the things that are important. That's what he's trying to remind them. He was reminding them of that in Ezekiel 16. He is trying to remind you and I of that even today. Hallelujah, that we put way too much importance on things that are not important and not enough importance on the things that are important. 
we get focused on all the wrong things. They were so focused on becoming like the people they had conquered. And God's saying, no. He said, this is an abomination unto the Lord. Watch this. He said, it's such an abomination. He said that you have been thrown into a field after being birthed. He said, and no one cut your cord. In other words, no one cut your cord. In other words, you are still connected to your past. Watch this. He said, you are still connected to what you came from. Why is it that when a baby is born, do we cut the cord? It's because what was feeding them and causing them to breathe is no longer a value. It can't work now that they're outside of the womb. And yet what ends up happening to everybody who has ever traumatized you is they're like the cord and the placenta. They're trying to stay attached to you. They're trying to make themselves needed. You ever notice some of the things that people have ever said to you, they plant seeds in your mind that'll cause you to always doubt who you are, what you will be, that you won't ever be anything without them, all of those things, and it'll, it'll bubble up sometimes. That was them planting a seed to allow the cord to remain connected so that you will be exactly what they always said you would be, nothing. Somebody just say, wow. My God, how the enemy has done a number on you and I trying to make us stay connected to something that is no longer of value, that it can't feed me in my present state, but yet it's still there. It's of no benefit where I am now, but yet it's still connected to me. That's why I said we put a lot of importance and attention on things that are not important. Hallelujah. See, how can you and I go forward when you're still connected to your cord? Haven't you ever noticed? It was like, I, I thought everything in life was going good. I, I thought this week I was in a good place and then something transpired and I told somebody, it was like 20 years of good stuff and I thought I had advanced real far. It was in one afternoon, it was like the bottom fell out and I got sucked into a, 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 a hole of, of, of destitution and, and desert and somebody else's mess in my And I thought, God, how can I go backwards so quick and, and feel like I lost all my progress in one, in one just moment? And that's when he said, Ezekiel 16. And I said, well, God, what in the world are you talking about? He said, because you can never be who you are called to be as long as you're connected to what you used to need to be connected to that you no longer need to be connected to. In other words, there are some things in our life that we have to be cut loose from. There are some people in our life that we sometimes have to be cut loose from. Oh, hallelujah. There's just some things that can't be a part of who we are. In one afternoon, it reminded me of things that I thought I had forgotten about. How many have ever lived through something and it was like a flashback? Right? And it was like you lived it all over again. And I, I found myself going home and I couldn't sleep that night. I kept having flashes and memories of stuff that I thought that, 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 that I had gotten over. I thought I was free from. I was like, you, you made me whole, Jesus. It's all good. No, but it was like that devil showed up. And he got back into a, a, a crevice in my life and I wasn't able to sleep. I ate and I got sick. 
I was, had a nauseousness. It was like butterflies. There was a nervousness. I kept waiting and wondering, are they going to come back? Are they going to come for me again? Are they going to do this all over again? I know you're all wondering. And when we live through stuff like that. Being a preacher isn't always easy. You'll get people in your face. You'll get them to be physical with you. You'll, you'll get a beat down from time to time. Oh, yeah. You'll get things like that. And so it was in one afternoon, every trauma and everything I had ever been through came flashing up in my memory. And I couldn't sleep. The next day came, and I still was like, like, whew, what is going on? God, I need an answer, Ezekiel 16. I said, God, I know I preach this. I can't find the word, but I, I don't know what more you want me to say, Ezekiel 16. I said, but God, what, what is it about a baby that gets thrown out? That What is it you're trying to say? He said, read Ezekiel 16. I said, God, I know the word. I know the word inside and out. I was bragging. I'm like, God, you, you ain't got nothing else to show me. I exhausted the text. I did all my exegetical studies and ain't nothing more to see. He said, I said, read Ezekiel 16. So I read it and he started speaking. He started speaking and I heard the Lord say, cut me loose. I thought, what? I said, cut me loose. He said, cut me loose. And I started realizing in the text the Bible says that they threw the baby out and did not cut the cord. And so whether they had kept the baby or not, so long as the cord was connected, the baby would have died. The reason they cut the cord is to keep that baby from trying to be fed through a source that no longer will work since it's not inside the mother. And yet oftentimes we are trying to live a life and exist and never cut the cord. You moved on and you moved out, but you didn't cut the cord. You changed your address, but you did not cut the cord. And I started seeing this is why we lack having a peace that passes all understanding. You, you, you can't have a peace that passes all understanding like the Word says that we should be able to have the ability to have as long as I'm still connected to where I came from. As long as I'm attempting to try to be fed through a source that no longer works, to try to receive my nutrients and my strength through a source that no longer works. And so he said, yes, cut the cord. Cut the cord. Cut yourself loose. Cut yourself loose. Do whatever you have to do to get, to get loose. And I, then I started seeing where God was taking me. Bear with me. I'm going to take you right to where we need to go in the next few moments. And I promise we're going to close. Watch this. He, so he started showing me, Adam, do whatever you need to do to cut the cord. And I thought, you know, if a baby came out of the womb with teeth, a baby could chew itself loose. Right? Right? A baby is entirely relying upon its mother and its father to help them. And so it relies on us to cut the cord. And God's saying, you, you, you ain't relying on nobody. You don't need nobody to cut you loose but you. 
How many of you know, I, 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 I had many people say to me, oh, if I can just find a man like so-and-so, and if I can just find a woman like so they can rescue me. They, they can be the person who I need to have in my life. Before you can have that kind of person in your life, you better cut the cord. Because if you don't cut the cord, what you're allowing is the memory of that nonsense that you have ever had to come through to corrupt you and to, and to infiltrate its way into another relationship, into another group of people, and it will never leave your memory. What God was trying to say to me is, Adam, you need to cut the cord. Chew through it if you have to. Cut it, do whatever you need to do, but cut the cord from everything that does not belong, everything that is trying to feed you, everything that is still trying to stay attached to you. Cut the cord. In other words, what was a blessing at one stage in your life is now a curse. Uh-huh. What, what once did benefit for you, you outgrew that, now it's a curse. What, 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 what at one time in my life used to feed me is now restricting me. Oh, hallelujah. So you got to cut the cord. So in other words, you got to know when it's over. You got to know when it's time to cut the cord. Hallelujah. That it was a blessing at one stage of my life, but now it's a restriction at another stage of my life. I figured something out about people because everything I do in life is uh, it's always about people. That's why I've said, God, I don't like people very much to be a preacher. And, and, and yet I, I really don't. People annoy me. They make me irritated. You, uh, I, and people would make, make, make a sane man lose their mind. I, I mean, if you deal with people long enough, I, it, 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 they make my head spin. I'm just being real. Don't sit there and pretend like you love everybody all the time. There are some days I'm struggling to love. And, and, and I figured something out about people. When I, when I start begin to ask God questions this week, and I was in a, in a state, I, 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 I had to ask some questions. And I figured out the reason you and I have to cut the cord and we have to cut some things and some people sometimes out of our life is I realized why some people in life don't want to get better. The reason I have to cut the cord of some people in my life is because they don't want to get better. Watch this. Because your dysfunction is their job security. I said, your dysfunction, this is what the Lord said. He said, Adam, your dysfunction, as long as they can keep you in a state of dysfunction, you have need of them. As long as they can keep you messed up, you keep going back because they have you believing you need them. Oh, my. I'm preaching to somebody this morning in this place. So I thought I was just going to preach to myself. Hallelujah. So he said, cut the cord. Why? Why did he say that? He said, because surviving is not enough. God said, Adam, surviving is not enough. See, see, God's intention for you and I, this text is about surviving is not enough. It's not enough for you and I to just get through. How many of you know what it is to live life and you are just getting by? You are just getting by with enough peace. You are just getting by with enough sleep. You're just getting by with just barely enough money. You're, you're just getting by. And what I found out is, is you and I have this idea and and the real picture of the church is us, we're just surviving. I started seeing you and I, and I started seeing our lives and, and in the states that we are in, people are going through stuff. And I realized we are literally just surviving. Inflation has happened and people aren't living good, they're just living. 
Our food line is long because people are just surviving. All we're doing is, is helping them. And God said, Adam, I didn't intend for you just to survive. I didn't intend for anybody in this world to ever just survive. And that's why God said to me, Adam, surviving is not enough. Surviving is not enough. He said, you have to get to the point where you're tired of just getting by, where you're tired of, of the same old, same old, where, where, where you realize that this is a moment. Ezekiel 16 is an awakening. Ezekiel 16 is a reckoning. Ezekiel 16 is about a revolution. What God began to say to me is, 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 Adam, why do you think I gave you another day or another year or another decade? Do I, did you think I gave it to you so that it would look like all the ones that have gone before it? And yet look at most of our life, one year looks like the next and the one before it and the one before it. And every year, a bunch of Christians will come out with cute cliches and get free in 23 and you know, whatever. Just be quiet. You didn't hear from God. You wouldn't know his voice if it slapped you in the head. Because 23 hasn't looked any different than 22. And 22 didn't look any different than 21. And everybody had visions and dreams about what 2020 was going to be. And we saw what that was. So here we are living one year after the other. And none of them look the same. And we're just getting by. We're just surviving. What good is it if every day, every year, every month is going to just look like the next, the one we just lived through? What good is that? See, God doesn't want you and I to just survive. Watch this. What God was saying in Ezekiel 16, he says, Adam, I don't want you just to survive what you're going through. I'm trying to get you to a safe place. Somebody hear what I just said. If any of you have ever lived through something that you literally wonder how you survived it, sometimes the only way to really survive it is you have to get to safety. But as long as you are living on the run, all your focus is to survive it. Please, somebody hear me. We have been living on the run. We have been trying to live to outrun what we've been through. And we're not yet to safety. This is what the Lord began to speak to me when he kept saying, read Ezekiel 16. I was just trying to make sense of it. And I thought, where did this come from? What happen. I didn't expect this to happen this Tuesday. And he keeps saying, read Ezekiel 16. Read Ezekiel 16. And so he said, after I read it, he said, cut the cord. He said, Adam, surviving is not enough. That was the second thing he said. Adam, I don't want you to live in survival mode. I want you to get to safety. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty, up under his shelter, in his safety, cut from the cord of what you previously were attached to. Hallelujah. He wants to get you to a safe place. In other words, in order to get to a safe place, this is what God needs you to do. He says, I need you to cut yourself from the cord. Cut yourself from everything that reminds you of who you used to be. 
Mm. Cut yourself from everything and everyone that reminds you of who you used to be. Let, let, me, let me just put it the way he told me. Adam, this is how he told me. Cut yourself from the message and the messenger of your past. That's what he told me. Adam, don't, don't just cut the message. Cut the messenger. The one who keeps bringing it up. Cut him. Cut them loose. Don't let them be connected to you. Don't let them be your umbilical cord still connected to you. Because he said, survival is not enough. And God kept saying that to me. He said, Adam, survival is not enough. He said, I have to get you to a safe place. He said, I have to get you to a safe place. Turn that up just a little bit. He said, I have to get you to a safe place. And when he said, I have to get you to a safe place, I was sitting on my couch. I was sitting on my couch, and when he said, I have to get you to a safe place, I said, I don't know what safe is. I said, what does safe look like? Come on, somebody stay with me in this place. If I don't care whatever you've been through trauma. I, I listed, I don't care whether it was cancer, what does your life look like without it? If it's dialysis, what does life look like without it? If it is abuse, what does life look, life look like without that? If it is being cheated on, what does life look like without Because no matter any of those things that you've ever gone through, you are scarred. The afterbirth is still on you. So what does life look like without it? What does life look like safe from that influencing and affecting who you are? And, 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 and so he said, I had to get you to a safe place, a safe place, a, a safe place. I have to get the afterbirth. I have to get that, that gook. I have to get the residue off of you of where you've been so that I can get you to a safe place. And as I began to listen to what the Lord was saying, this is what he showed me. He said, he said, Adam, if you do nothing, you'll die. Watch this. See, if you do nothing right now from this day forward, doing nothing, you'll die. If you don't eat, drink, visit the restroom, whatever, you'll die. And yet God began to show me a picture of you and I sitting in our own blood. It's going to make sense in a moment. That if you and I do nothing, it will kill you. It kills our dreams, our visions. Kills what he intended us to be. And we allow ourselves to still be connected to something that is no longer any value. Like the placenta to a baby. He said, Adam, if you do nothing, you'll die. If you do nothing. The worst thing that this text says worst thing the text says is when it says when I passed by you when I passed by this baby I saw you sitting in your own blood think about that for a moment it's it's a putrid or disgusting kind of analogy or metaphor to, to use in the text it's it's an awful eerie picture to think of sitting in your own blood 
But watch this. This is what the Lord showed me. As nasty as it is to consider sitting in your own blood, the Lord said, but Adam, when you sit in your own memories, and when you sit in your own trauma, and when you allow those things to be rehearsed over and over in your mind, and you remind yourself of every painful thing that ever happened in your life, he said, you're sitting in your own blood. How many times do we allow ourselves to sit in our own memories and be reminded of traumatic things that we have lived through? That's what he's referring to in the text. He's speaking to you and I today in this text, and he says, when I passed by you, I saw you sitting in your own blood, still connected to something that is of no value to you because you came from that you came from that womb, but yet you're still connected to the placenta. You're still, the cord is still connected to you. I see you still connected to the memory of where you came from. Still connected to the trauma of all that you've been through. So he said, I saw you kicking in your own blood. Watch this though. In, in the one translation, it says, when I passed by, I saw you sitting in your own blood. And the Lord reminded me, he reminded me to, to sit means to make comfortable to relax or to recline back, that you and I have grown comfortable in our own stuff, in our own memories, in our own trauma, that we've just accepted it as being part of what this life is to be about, to survive. And what God was showing me, he says, it's not enough for you to survive. I, I did not die on a tree. He said, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you and I are sitting in, uh, if he sees you and I sitting in a puddle of our own blood, that's not life and life more abundantly. S living in survival mode is not you and I living in, in a life that is more abundant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not what he died for. He didn't die for you and I just to, 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 to lay around in our own puddle of memories and trauma. And, 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 and things that we have been through and, and just try to survive it. No, no, no. He said, I died to get you to a safe place. He, he, Jesus wants you to remember that, that he did all of that to get you and I to a safe place, free from all of that, free from having to wallow in, in what you and where you came from, where you don't have to be comfortable thinking this is as good as it's ever going to get. I'm sharing this word for you because I believe that there are some of us in this room and the reason that I experienced what I did this week and the reason God kept saying Ezekiel 16, Ezekiel 16, the reason I'm sharing that is I believe that there are some people that, that, that have, have, have recognized and get frustrated with the fact, is this the, all that life really is? is? Does life really have to be this kind of a struggle? Is it really just gonna be about just barely getting by and just barely making things ends meet? Is it really this frustrating and this irritating and this, and this disappointing? Because I believe God gave me this word to, because there are some people in this place that refuse to sit in their blood one other day. that you refuse to sit in the memories, that you refuse to sit in the trauma. In other words, let me put it this way, it happened, but I'm not gonna sit in it. I lived through it, but I'm not gonna sit in it. Uh, 
you were raped, but you don't have to sit in it. Your mother never loved you, but you don't have to sit in it. Your dad could have beat you like an animal, but you don't have to sit in it. Amen. You were abused and bloodied and battered and messed up, but you don't have to sit in it. In other words, this is a word where God said, he says, when I saw you, I saw you sitting in your own blood, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. That's what I love about this text. Is anybody hearing me? I'm, I was divorced, but I'm not going to sit in it. I'm depressed, but I don't have to sit in it. I've been through hell, but I don't have to sit in it. I've been through therapy, but I don't have to sit in it. I take medication, but I don't have to sit in it. Whatever it is, I, I, I'm going through chemo, but I don't have to sit in it. The Bible says, when God passed by you, When God passed by you, and I thought, we always preach the first Passover. We always preach the first Passover that says, the Bible says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And here's another Passover. God says, when I passed by you. He said, when I pass over you this time. Notice he still saw the blood but he didn't see the blood of the lamb. What he saw was the blood of your past. The blood of the trauma and the pain and the things that you'd gone through. All the blood of your past And in that moment, the text says that God really, he basically made up his mind that he would speak one word over your life. He would speak one word that would bring you out of where you are. That he would speak one word over poverty. He would speak one word over depression. He would speak one word over trauma. He would speak one word over abuse or he would speak one word over neglect. And the one word that God spoke in the text, he says, when I passed by you, I saw you sitting in your own blood. And I said, live. In other words, he said, when I passed by you, I couldn't, I I love you too much to leave you where you are. I love you too much to leave you in the state that I found you. So he said, it it doesn't matter what anyone else says about you. He said, I said, live. It doesn't matter what else is going on around you. It doesn't matter all the things that you have been through. I want you to hear the word of the Lord, that the the word that God is saying to the church, he says, with everything that you have been living with and every cord that you have allowed attached attached to you, that, that that, that does no good for you. He said, I've got one word for you, and that word is live. In other words, it doesn't matter what we've been diagnosed with. God said live. It doesn't matter what what anyone says about you. He said live. It doesn't matter if you and I are living all alone. He said live. Whatever state you and I are in, God said live. Why? Because he said, Adam, surviving isn't safe. Surviving alone isn't safe. He said, I don't want you to just sit in your blood. It's not safe. I don't want you to just sit in your memories. It's not safe. It's not life and life more abundant. 
See, a lot of times we'll shout because we survived something, but God says, I don't want you to shout because you survived it. I want you to shout because you're safe. I want you to shout because you survived for a reason. We don't just survive to survive. We survive to get to safety. And what survival is, is not the end. You know what God said? He said, Adam, survival is the vehicle I use to get you to safety. It's the vehicle I use to get you to safety. Hallelujah. So he said, I said to you, live. I said to you, lived. In other words, you and I need to be intentional about living and realizing there are some things and some people that cannot be a part of where we're going, that we've been traumatized and we've, cons- we've counted it almost as normal. But that's to be a normal way of life. But you and I have got to be intentional and realize there are just some things and some people that they cannot be a part of our life because God is getting me to a place of safety and taking me from a place of survival. last thing I want to say to you, and I'm going to close with this, is they threw the babies who had something wrong with them out into the wilderness. As if they were insignificant and they neglected them. They threw them out into the wilderness to be devoured by animals. But Jesus called every baby with something wrong with them to him. He said, come unto me. Oh, you who are heavy laden. He passes by every one of us who has something wrong with us and says, live. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I don't have to live with trauma. I don't have to live in mood swings. I don't have to live in fear. I came that you might have life have it more abundantly he does not want you and I to sit in our own blood would you stand to your feet we're going to do a some cake and stuff here in a few moments before we do your cake and we do the ice cream and have all the good stuff I want you and I to let Holy Spirit do what he needs to do in this place for a few moments and if you can will you whether you're standing or sitting or however you are I want you to close your eyes and consider this word sitting in your own blood I want you to consider for a moment everything that you're connected to that is over every trauma every issue, every problem, every circumstance that you came through and and yet you survived it, but it's still affecting you. It's still in your memory. Remember, that's what I said there a moment ago when, when he said, when I passed by you sitting in your own blood, that you and I sitting in our own blood is us sitting in our own memories, sitting in our own trauma of whatever happened to us in our life. Bad mistakes. 
things that we lived through, we survived, we maybe thought we would never would get survive it or get out of it. What is it that you are still connected to that you need to cut the cord to? What is it that you're still allowing to not just feed you, but it's poisoning you to stay connected to something that no longer is a resource to you that you need to cut the cord to today? I want you to let the Holy Spirit do a work for you and on you and in you in this moment right now. And I want you to make up your mind in this place that if there's an area of your life that you need to cut the cord, if there are memories and things that, that, that you've allowed to stay attached to you, that you'll cut the cord. And that you'll allow the Lord to be what He intended to be for you, not just to, to, to help you survive, but to get you to a safe place to understand what it is to have life and have it more abundantly, where you can really start living in the abundant life of Jesus Christ instead of barely getting by. You're barely getting by because you're still attached to something that no longer belongs in the season where you were in. He said to that baby, when I passed by you, I saw you where, where the cord was not yet cut, yet you were sitting in the wilderness. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus over every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, there are people that are sitting in their own blood, sitting in their own memories and trauma. Lord, some even living in fear of what used to be and how it could still harm us. And Father, I pray right now that, Lord, there would be a cord-cutting ceremony in this place even now. Father, I pray that there would be people that would make up their minds that, Lord, they're going to cut away from them and out of their life. God, not just things, but people. That, Lord, from this day forward, that, Lord, we will we, we would allow memories to be cut. Lord, we would allow traumas to be cut. Lord, we would allow things that, 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 that haunt our memory and our mind and the flashbacks that we have, God, to be cut from our life in the name of Jesus. Lord, even people that, 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 that served a purpose at one time in our life but no longer do. Lord, I pray even now that, Lord, we would have the courage and the boldness. Lord, you said in your word, when I passed by you, I saw you still connected to the cord and sitting in your own blood, still connected to things that no longer serve a purpose in your life. So Father, I pray today that we would have the boldness and the courage, Lord, to cut out of our life, Lord, everything that needs to be cut out of our life in the name of Jesus. And then, Lord, we speak your word over every person in this place today. When you said, I speak one word, live. That, Lord, you would speak life over us to get up out of where we are to get up out of a place of survival instead lord get us to a place of safety to get us to a place of safety so father i thank you right now i pray even now that father that you would you would guide us and help us lord to to live and dwell in a place of safety lord live and dwell in a place free from trauma free from the memories oh i know you, you you'll, you'll never forget it but what God means is you'll no longer allow the memory to control you. You'll no longer allow what you lived through and what you wonder how you ever made it through. It'll no longer have any bearing on you because now you know what it is to be in a safe place. Now you know what it is for God to use what you survived to get you to a safe place. Hear, hear me, hear what I'm saying to you today. 
God said you came through everything you came through as the vehicle to drive you to safety. Now is the day that you enter into a place of safety. Now is the day where you can really begin to enjoy life and what it is to have life and have it more abundantly now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for safety over your people. I pray, God, for safety over every person in this room. God, I pray that you would set us free and you would cut the cord in every area from everything and every person that has done us wrong, that we've remained attached to, that we shouldn't be. And God, most importantly, I pray that you would cut the cord to every memory and trauma. In the name of Jesus. Let not just healing happen, but Father, I pray for wholeness over your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Lord, in a moment, we're going to give tithes and offerings and celebrate cake and celebrate birthday. But Father, I pray that, Lord, you would allow this truly, God, to be a revolution for the people in this place. That, Lord, as we leave this place, though, that we'll step into safety. Prophetically speaking, Father, I pray as we exit this building today, Lord, we, we step into safety and out of survival in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Father, you would bless our time of fellowship. And I pray that, God, you would bless seeds and the giving today. God, I pray that you would multiply it back to your people. God, I, I pray that you would allow them to see abundance in their life as they give. I pray that they really see abundance, Lord, financially, Lord, as they give to your kingdom. Lord, let it go back to them, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I sense the moving of your spirit and the wholeness that is at work in this place. Lord, let angels go with us. Let ministering angels minister to us after we leave this place. And as we lay our head down to go to sleep tonight, God, and do within your people what only God you can do. And we give you glory. We give you honor. And we give you praise today in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.